0: We started a series last week on Jesus and who Jesus says that he is. And if we, if we go by what who he says that he is, that it impacts who he's meant to be to me. So are you ready to get started? Oh, grab hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll be taught the Word of God, and I'll never be the same again. You know, some people say, why do you guys do that? Because I know it's kind of different or whatever. Well, one of the concerns I have is that in the church even, that there's kind of been this disregard for God's Word, and I want to re-engage us to it. Because it's the main way that God speaks to us. It's, it's what He's left for so that we know who He is and that type of thing, and, and just kind of for you to become familiar with it. So speaking of that, open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. John 10, if you're still getting familiar with the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament starts with Genesis, and the New Testament starts with Matthew. And so um, you say, what's the difference? Well, the Old Testament is before the birth of Jesus, the New Testament the birth of Jesus on. Again, I know, it's, you know there's more to it than that, but I'm just trying to help you as you get started. So John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You say, who was he? He was a follower of Jesus, so he writes this eyewitness account of when he was with Jesus and what took place and the ministry and all those kind of things. And so he writes down here a moment of some things that Jesus said. While you're turning there, I want to read to you a passage that I shared last week that is kind of the foundation for this series. And it says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked him, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus is with his 12 followers, and he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And they, and they began to give out things like this. They began to say things like, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And none of those things were a bad thing. And I think in reality, it's kind of a good, it's, it's really kind of a, a picture of where culture is today. Uh, the, over and over again, study after study, when you ask people, they, they genuine, generally still like Jesus, not everybody, but the majority of people believe that Jesus existed and they, they like him. Now, a lot of them don't like the church, but, them, but most of them like Jesus. Now, the issue is when you ask them who Jesus is and what he's like and what he believes, often, just like they got it wrong, their culture got it wrong, they said, well, I think he's John the Baptist. They were all wrong, even though that the things they said about him weren't bad, they were just wrong. And the truth of the matter is the same thing is true for culture today. You know, what's Jesus like? And they begin to say things, you know, because it validates who they are or what they think. And the truth of the matter is often we try to make Jesus in our image or culture tries to make him in an image that that he's not threatening or challenging or anything like that. And it's just he's just easier. And as well-meaning and well-intended they are, usually they get it wrong. But then Peter said this. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said... You know what? Somebody else didn't reveal this to you. My father did. And he said, I'm going to build the church upon the recognition of this. So recognizing who Jesus is in its foundation is so important because the church is built on that. It's built upon the recognition that that regardless of who anybody else, what anybody else says about him, all those things are okay, but what matters most is what, what do you say about him? And so what we're doing in this series is we're letting Jesus tell us who he is. And so last week, you know, we looked at where he told us that he's the Savior. He said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm, I'm the life. In other words, he wasn't just a way. He wasn't just one of many ways. He wasn't just, you know, well, he's, this is my truth and you can have yours. No, he said, I'm the truth. And I, I'm the life. In other words, he was letting us know. And then even his followers said, inspired by him, that there's no other name under heaven that we can be saved by. So Jesus was revealing us to us that he is the Savior. He's the Savior. He's the one that's taken on all of Rick Burke's broken places. All of the times that I've been selfish. All the times that I've done or said things in my anger or disappointment that I shouldn't have done. All the times that I thought only about me, Jesus took all of that upon him. And Jesus, revealing that he's the Savior, that that's who he is, should reveal to me then that I'm a person that's in need of saving. For some people, the word sin is offensive. Well, I'm I'm just me. That's the problem. With all of us. I just want to be real. Yeah, real carnal. Real selfish. And, and again, I'm going to point fingers. I mean, I'm, I lead the pack on all those. But you know, again, we have to realize that he wasn't, I'm not a mistaker in need of correcting. Jesus being a Savior reveals to me that I, I'm a sinner in need of saving. And there's no other solution, no other remedy for my sin but him. And so he revealed that to us. And And, you again, I mean, so so I'm just, you know, for the next few weeks, we're going to let Jesus tell us who he is. And so last week, you know, he revealed the Savior. So today in John 10, verse 1, Jesus is talking to this crowd. He said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold. Now, again, he's using an allegory here. And back then there were shepherds and sheep and that type of thing. We still have those things today. They're just not, you know, not a huge part of our culture. But anyway, so he's using this to reveal who he is. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, Jesus is revealing to us that one of the things that that he's like a shepherd, He's, he's like a shepherd in our life. And the picture he gives is that he goes through the gate because they're his sheep. And they know his voice and that he calls them by name. Now, let's be real transparent with you. In my life, I never struggle with, does God love you? In my life, I never question, the thought never comes to my mind that he's through with you, ever. Can I be real transparent with you? Sometimes I struggle with that towards myself. Is he through with me now? Is that it? No. I have to remind myself that just like I know he loves you, I know that he loves me and he knows me by name and he knows you by name. And he calls us by name. And it says this right here that, says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him or they'll run from the stranger because they don't know his voice, but they know the voice of the good shepherd. Why? Because they're his sheep and they, and they spend time with him. And it, it says that he leads them. So Jesus says that when we give our lives to him, he wants to be to us. He wants to be like a shepherd to us. When you look at the relationship that a shepherd has with the sheep, he, he cares for the sheep. He, he leads them and they follow him. And so, you know, for some of you, this is kind of basic and foundation. You were raised in church. You've been around this. And and this is not anything new to you. But for some of you, maybe you've never thought about that before, that when you gave your life to Jesus, he wasn't like, okay, good luck. I'll see you when you get to heaven. Leave me alone until then. No, when you give your life to Jesus, it's just the beginning. And from that moment on, he begins to lead us and guide us and begins to call us by name and direct us. And, we're, and notice the position is that he's leading and we're following. He's leading and we're following. And to understand this, that as we're following, as he's leading and, and we're following, that we're not in front of him, we're following him. I used to have an instructor in Bible school, and he said this. I thought it was so powerful. He said this. He goes, look, he said, it's better to be a little slow when following God than to be too quick. He said, because if you're a little slow, at least you're still following him. Sometimes if you're too quick, you can get out in front of him and get so far in front of him that you're like, right, Lord, Lord, Lord. It kind of reminds me of Jesus' parents whenever, you know, his, uh, his mother and Joseph, whenever at 12, they took him into Jerusalem and they did some things there. And then it says they left and they were gone for a day and noticed that Jesus wasn't with them. I don't feel like such a lousy parent now. I've never been home and gone to Tina when the kids were younger. Have you seen the kids since yesterday? (laughs) It took them three days to find him. They went back like, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with the cousins over here. Oh, he went with us. Yeah, put those guys in front as examples of what parents are supposed to be like. Anyway, (laughs) it took them three days to go back and find him. And it's such a picture of how my life can be. I'm with him. He leads me to a certain place. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'm done here. And I go. And next thing after a while, it's like, Did anybody see Jesus? And then I gotta go back to where I left him. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to get back there. He's like, oh no, we weren't through here. But we follow him. He's our shepherd, and because he's our shepherd, number one is this Jesus leads as my shepherd. Now, you don't have to turn there, but there's a psalm many of you are familiar with. It's psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And many people think it was written by David, who we know as a king, but also he started out as a shepherd, so it was very personal to him. And so uh, there's a book out where a guy that was a shepherd, he wrote Psalm 23 from the perspective of a shepherd and took some of those things and, and said, this is what these things mean. So I want to share a couple of those things with you, which starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd. And he, he said, you know, that, that, that whoever your shepherd is defines what flock you're a part of. And that determines whose voice we listen to. Like, if you were going to write a psalm today, would it start with that? The Lord is my shepherd. For some people, it'd be my the culture is my shepherd. My addiction is my shepherd. My selfishness is my shepherd. My desire to run my relationships by my rules is my shepherd. I'm my shepherd. But he said, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, there was an acknowledgment that this, here's who my shepherd is. It, it identified him and who he's following. And, and then it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and, and with that, that, you know, because whenever, whoever we know is our shepherd determines, you know, who's leading us. But, you know, and Jesus even said this when he looked at, in Matthew 9, it says that he saw these people and they were wandering around. And this is how he described them, confused and helpless, or as he looked out and he saw people, he was like, man, they're like confused and helpless. He said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Man, does that not describe the culture we live in? I, I turn on the TV or I hear things going on and, and people may be well-meaning and well-intended, but so, so many times, man, they're confused and helpless. And, and when we get in that place, we get angry. They're like people without a shepherd. So when we give our lives to Jesus that it should be able to be our declaration that he saved me now. The Lord's my shepherd. He's, it's his voice that I follow. It goes on to say, I, 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 I'll not want and, or I have all that I need. And, and you know, part of the implication is that he cares for me. But it's not just that, but it's that I'm so content in his care that other cravings are no longer an issue. It's not just that he provides for me, but when I'm with him, the other things that I crave are no longer an issue because I'm content with him. He's my shepherd. I, In his presence, I, I, I don't crave other things. I don't want. He goes on to say this. He says he lets me rest in green meadows. And he, uh, he said this, that, that it's hard to get sheep to rest. And he said there's four things that have to, ta- have to take place They have to be free of fear, and I'll give you a couple of them right here. One of them is is that they have to feel safe. And that our shepherd, when he leads us, doesn't mean that our life will be without trials or issues, but because we have confidence in our shepherd that he's a good shepherd, that we we can feel at peace even in the middle of chaos. He said another thing with sheep is that, you know, like chickens have a pecking order, you know, uh, the cows, um, I think they call it a horning order, something like that. Well, with sheep, they call it a budding order. And so he said, You can have a, like a, a ewe that's really aggressive, that was, if the shepherd's not around, that is just kind of pushing the rest of the flock around, and it can really agitate the flock. But he said when the shepherd shows up, he deals with the ewe in such a way that settles her down where she's no longer pushing around the other sheep or bullying the other sheep. And and just begins, when that happens, then the sheep begin to get at peace. He he said this right here. I thought this was so good. He, He said this. He said that when the shepherd is there, this disappears. The shepherd doesn't want it. He brings an end to it. His presence brings an end to all rivalry. When my eyes are on the good shepherd, it's no longer on those around me. If my eyes are on him, I'm no longer thinking about what's going on with them, what's happening, that kind of thing. What are they doing? My eyes are on Jesus. And so we do that, and he renews my strength. You may not know this, but sometimes sheep can end up on their back, and they call this a cast sheep, and they can't get up. And if the shepherd doesn't get there in time, they die pretty quickly. And so when the shepherd realizes that, he has to get them back up. They're struggling. He gets them back up, and he renews their strength. And so the Lord leads us. It's, he's our shepherd. He's a good shepherd in his presence. I'm not, I'm not you know, just constantly unsatisfied. Because his presence, I have all I need. He leads me. He's able to settle me Still my soul. When I fall, he, and I feel like I can't get up in my own strength. He helps me back up. Whatever other shepherds out there people have, whether it's culture, their desires, their job, their work, or whatever, <laughs> that there may be certain things they promise or deliver on, but the care of the good shepherd can never be matched. And again, not that we can't have those other things. They just can't be the thing that leads us. And so the Lord's my shepherd. We go back in John 10 again. We'll pick up reading there. It says this. It says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Some of you are like, I agree. I don't know what we're talking about. Anyway, he doesn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose, listen. The thief, you know, the thief is the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life, and have it more abundantly. Or, uh, you know, extreme in, qua- in, in quality and excess in quantity. In other words, that he's, his presence has come for us to experience his life that way. So when I look at this in context and so much of it about us following the voice of the Good Shepherd and stuff like that, one of the things as I was preparing for this, I'd never really seen it like this. And that is that as I follow, whoever's voice I'm following, whoever's leading I'm following, will determine where I end up. If I follow the voice of the Good Shepherd as He leads me, then I'll experience life and life more abundantly. Doesn't mean that the road will always be easy. Doesn't mean there'll be challenges. Doesn't mean there won't be things that I have to work through or disappointments I don't face. Doesn't mean that, you know, that sometimes when I'm praying for a situation and that person doesn't do what I want them to do, doesn't turn out, it doesn't mean that God's failed me. I just have to continue to follow his voice. I can't determine whether you follow it or not. I can't make you follow it. You can't make me follow it. But as I follow His voice, then I, it begins to lead me to the life that He has for me, to give me life and life more abundantly. I have to trust Him. You so said, Well, Pastor, Rick, what's the Lord's voice? I mean, does He speak audibly to you? Well, He's never done that to me that I know of. I'm not saying that He can't. If that's happening to you regularly, I'd probably go see somebody. But here's the thing <laughs> is that. The number one way that he speaks to us is through the Bible. We look in the Bible, and as we begin to understand it, and we have to, we have to read it enough to, un, to be able to divide what it means. Some people say, well, the Bible says this. I'm like, if you read it in context, that'd make a lot more sense than what you're saying right now. But to read it within context and begin to be familiar with it, and he speaks to us through that. Sometimes... As we begin to speak to him, we just kind of recognize, we just kind of know because we've spent time with him. Remember, Jesus didn't come because humanity needed another religion. He came so we could have a relationship with him. And in relationships, when you spend time with people, you begin to recognize their voice. I recognize my voice, my wife's voice. It may not be the loudest one in the crowd. Sometimes it is, but it's not always. But you know, sometimes it's not just verbally that she communicates to me. We were in a situation just recently and she was upset about something. I said, you really need to put your poker face on right now. And she goes, I have it on. And I'm like, you probably do. So I mean, (laughs) I know some of you are gonna go tell on me now, you'll see her and I'll see her out in the hallway. She goes, I heard what you said in church today. I'm like, well, who's the snitch in my neighborhood snitches get stitches, anyway. So, so, but, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that we, we begin familiar with this voice, you know, and, and sometimes we just know. Sometimes what I call God thoughts, just these thoughts come up that, you know, you're like, I, I know that wasn't me. That had to be the Lord. Sometimes in conversations, people say things. I'm like, that's direction. Sometimes just I grow and I learn things as I grow and through experience, I'm like, no, this is what God wants. Sometimes in church, something is said from the pulpit and either what's directly said or, or how the Lord deals with you about it personally. I've had people come to go, hey, man, when you said so-and-so, it just really impacted this decision I made. In my mind, I'm like, how did you connect those two things? But I know it wasn't me. It was the Lord giving you direction for that moment in your life. And so he just does. And, and so here's the second thing. Jesus is our shepherd. Number two is this. Jesus knows the path that's best for me. And if I, if I know him, then it allows me to trust him. And then even when things are hard and difficult, I don't question the path I'm on because I don't question the one that gave it to me. I've I've had people well-meaning, well-intended that don't know me, and probably, you know, I've probably been guilty of this before myself, probably all of us at different times, meaning well, but just kind of, you know, not really stepping back and just kind of taking it all in. But people that know me, and and they're coming up trying to, well, you know, I think you're supposed to do this, and I think you're supposed to do that, and and I'm like, hey, thank you. I appreciate that so much. what are you doing, Friday? You know, I mean, so it's one of those things. I don't know them, and, and you know, and they're trying to give me direction, you know, and, and, again, they mean well for some that's huge in my life, but we have no experience together. I, I don't know whether you know what you're talking about or whether you're just a well-meaning person that has no idea what's going on. But I know my shepherd. Over and over again, he's proven to me. You know, I've shared with you my story. You know, I grew up here. I love Oklahoma. Man, this is just my home. I got it from my dad. My dad was, a, he was in the military. He was considered a World War II vet. He spent some time in Hawaii and Guam and stuff like that. And he would tell me, "So I've been to all those places. He said, you know, he said, I wouldn't live in any of them now. For Oklahoma, you know, for Oklahoma, I wouldn't give it up. And Tina and I have been married for a year, and God leads us to Arkansas. I'm like, did I make you mad? I mean, what's wrong? I don't know what's going on, you know? At least it wasn't Texas. But, you know, here's the thing is that... And by the way, Pastor Mike and Katie are here this morning. They're in Arkansas. Let's give them a hand, anyway. So, well, we were there for a year, and as I told you, we went to New Mexico for 17 years. It was a great place to us. It was home. We made so many friends, people that we love. They're a part of our life today. That if without them, we wouldn't be where we are. And as I told you before, when we would come back to visit, when we crossed the state line. Man, my family sang Oklahoma. We did all of it. The you know, you know, hey, you know all the yippee eye and all that kind of stuff. We did it. I've said before, my kids didn't know the Lord's Prayer, but they knew the words, the Oklahoma song. So anyway, it's just what we did, you know, and it's, it's part of, you know, just, and my heart ached to be back here. But I knew the Lord had me in those other places. Until now. And my good shepherd, the Lord, proved to me that if I would trust him, that he would bring me to the place that my heart was settled I'm convinced if I hadn't let him lead me, that this place would still be here because God loves the people here and, and what he's doing here. It's his stuff. It's his work. I, I walked in the first service. It was almost full. I see the service. It's it's just real close to full. I think about God's faithfulness that that I didn't get to do. He allowed me to be a part of. But that's because why when it got difficult in those places that I didn't fully understand, but he just quietly reassured my soul to trust him. That over time, it's proven out that when I trust him, even in the places when I'm like, Lord, what's happening? That on the other side of it, I realize that this is what he intended for me. And had I not endured that, I wouldn't get to experience this. I'm so grateful that he got to Bring me back home and we get to be a part of each other's life. It causes me to trust him more. He's a good shepherd. You can trust him. Even when you don't understand what's going on around you, you can trust him. Sometimes you have to lean in. Through the difficult season, he even said in Psalm 23, he said this, he said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't be afraid. I've said this in almost every funeral because it's just true. That verse grabs me. You know, he didn't say that you get to go around the valley of the shadow of death. You know, we experience loss in our life. There's some things I I just wish we didn't have to go through, but it doesn't work that way, does it? Some things we have to go through. He didn't say we didn't go through it, but he said, when I'm going through it, he said, I don't have to be afraid. He said, this is because you're with me. He's such a good shepherd, he doesn't abandon me in those moments. He didn't abandon you. In this moment, in this valley. You can trust him. Lastly, he said this. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for a sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd, and so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Jesus said, though, but I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. The good shepherd man that you follow him, that he doesn't abandon you. Again, the allegory is when a wolf shows up, if there's no shepherd there, he'll devour the flock. He can destroy multiple sheep, not just one, multiple wreck a herd. But when there's a good shepherd there, he doesn't run for his own life. He puts himself between the wolf and the sheep. Because he realized how important this is, what this conflict is about, what the struggle is about. The sheep may not even be aware and may be so defenseless defenseless compared to the things that the wolf has at his disposal. But the good shepherd stands between them and goes, you'll have to go through me to get to them. So Jesus saw how ravaged humanity was and he came to the earth and he sacrificed his life so that the wolf no longer had permission to devour the sheep at will. So number three is that Jesus, he sacrificed his life for me so that he could be the shepherd of my life and lead me. I mean, who else has earned that right I'm amazed people follow after people they have no idea who they are and so many things are driven by finances and monetary gain but but, you know we just want to trust people and sometimes people sound so intellectually appealing and emotionally appealing we just follow along but none of them have ever given themselves for you the good shepherd showed up and when the wolf was having his way in your life He got between you and the wolf. When you receive him as your savior and you follow him as your shepherd. Again, some of the paths that he takes us on, we don't fully understand. Sometimes we just have to trust the care of the shepherd because he's proven over and over again that he's not just any shepherd, he's the good shepherd. He cares for me, he cares about my marriage, he cares about my kids. He cares about my future, what I'm getting ready to face. He he cares about these anxieties or these insecurities that I feel, this uncertainty in my world. And he's not watching me from a flock saying, good luck. He gives his life for me. He gave his life for you. Because he's a good shepherd. But Jesus says he is not When I started out, I just had to take him at his word. But you know what is... Life has gone on, and I've had more and more birthdays, had lots of birthdays. I no longer just have to take him at his word. I've experienced it from him. He is a good shepherd. I want you to just I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Yeah, I think it's just a good time to kind of examine to say, you know, what's really been the shepherd of my life, what's guided me and directed me? In the season of life that I'm in right now, you know, is it just kind of my own desires, the things that I want? Have I, have I just, you know, committed myself just to, you know, my future and to my, you know, to my occupation? You know, is, do I just desire, you know, so much the attention of the opposite sex that I just give myself to them completely, you know, regardless of what God's word has to say about my behavior here? Even if, even if, you, know, if, if you're, you know, if you're in adolescence right now. So many things vying for your attention. Corporations spending billions of dollars to get you to hear them. Trying to tell you what your life is supposed to be like and that type of thing. And it's no different now from that standpoint than it was when I was a kid, even though it was many years ago. And there are more avenues coming after you than what was coming after us. but I know it wasn't until I was a sophomore at Claremore High School when I settled in my life that Jesus is mine and I'm his and I'm gonna follow him and he began to give me direction to the point that he's led me to a place that I'm experiencing life that he had for me And, and it's better than I could have imagined for myself. So who's your shepherd? What's your shepherd? What's leading you right now? I, want you, just, I want you to just take a moment, just spend this with God, just there in that secret place. Just let him do in you what he wants to do. You just spend time with him.